Across central Wisconsin, people are tuning in and sounding off. Call in now. 715-845-2155. WSAU Feedback on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU. And a good Friday morning. Meg Ellison is off today and will be off again on Monday. Guest host today, why it's me, it's Chris Conley. Look, um, over the last weekend, we were distracted. I mean, look, there's still lots of stuff from the East Palestine train derailment in the news. Um, the Biden student loan program, which may be struck down by the Supreme Court correctly. If you took out student loans, pay them back. Pay your own loans. Don't shift it onto me. So we were distracted by that. The Wall Street Journal had an exclusive report over the weekend that our energy department now agrees with the FBI that COVID likely came from China's lab in Wuhan province, not just naturally occurring, something that Mother Nature churned up and then got into a bat or a snake or an eel, which people actually eat from the wet markets in China. Um, No, it looks more like something human-created in a laboratory that somehow, intentionally or accidentally, got loose. All of those stories in the news cycle distracted us from something that's really important, and it comes from a Wisconsin congressman, from Mike Gallagher. Mike Gallagher's a Republican. He represents the Green Bay and Fox Valley area, and he happens to be one of his new committee assignments. He's on a subcommittee that evaluates threats to the U.S. from communist China. So because of his subcommittee, he has unique and non-public information, things that you and I may not know about what's going on in China. And he wrote an op-ed in the New York Post that did not get a lot of coverage, but it should. And that's why I want to talk to you about it here on Feedback. And I'm going to ask the question afterwards. I'll tell you exactly where we're going. How should we re-evaluate our relationship with China? China is becoming more and more of a bad actor on the world stage. They say, oh, well, uh, maybe we'll give some military assistance, some military hardware to Russia. We have an unlimited friendship with Russia. Oh, really? A a country that invades neighboring countries. Uh, That doesn't sound so good. But then again, China wants to invade Taiwan, which really is an independent country. China just makes the rest of the world pretend that that, uh, that Taiwan is land that they don't control but really belongs to them. Well, I mean, okay, that that's a fiction, but that's what, if you want to have relationships with China, if you want to trade with China, that's the fiction that you have to agree to. No, in fact, Taiwan is an independent nation. And, you know, shame on us that, I mean, we looked at China back when Richard Nixon went there and, and, and opened up and, and sent our, uh, our, our our table tennis team there. And, oh, look, they've got billions of people here and we'll be able to sell American stuff. Well, how'd that work out? China sends huge amounts of stuff here to the U.S. And we have found out that uh, China's got all these regulations, so we can't sell Harley Davidsons and, uh, and other things here um, unless we share the technology with China, then they reverse engineer, make knockoffs of that, and sell it back to us. So, yeah, how is that working? Here's what Congressman Mike Gallagher had to say. Again, someone who's in a position to know. He says, forget about the spy balloon. I mean, the spy balloon is a small secondary thing. 
China wanted to test what the Biden administration would do. And, of course, what we did was let this spy balloon sail all the way across our country before we decided to shoot it down after it essentially completed its mission. And then to show how grossly incompetent are, the following weekend we shot down three other things that were apparently not spy balloons. Um, One of them was a private club science experiment. The things that we shot down, the three things, one in Alaska, one over Canadian airspace, and uh, one over Lake Huron after passing across the UP, they were not Chinese spy devices. They were something else. So we overreacted by shooting down other unrelated things. Brilliant! Mike Gallagher says that's not the big picture. He says China operates a secret police force here in the United States. What's that all about? Well, look, China has a lot of its citizens, nationals from communist China, who are here in the U.S., They are going to our colleges and universities. Why do colleges and universities let them in in such great numbers? Because they pay the full boat for tuition. Foreign students, wherever they come from, especially China, if the tuition is $60,000, they pay $60,000. They don't qualify for student loans. They don't get Pell Grants. They're not in line for debt relief. They come and pay 100% of what the cost is for attending that institution. Oh, and by the way, a lot of times they bring research grants with them. Like, oh, here's a graduating engineering student that wants to attend MIT. And by the way, they have a specific project that they'd like to work on, and, and they come with grant money also in addition to their tuition check. So American colleges and universities, we we can't get enough of that. Um, We have lots of Chinese people who are here for business dealings. I mean, we are the number one customer of the things that China's economy makes, which means China's got a footprint here. Uh, China's buying up all that agricultural land. It just happens to be around some of our military sites. Someone has to run it. China has manufacturing that they have outsourced to the United States. And who's running that? All, All those enterprises are being overseen by Chinese citizens. So communist Chinese citizens are here in the land of the free the United States of America. And China's decided that someone has to keep them in line. That's why China has secret military police that operate in the United States to make sure that their citizens live up to communist expectations. And that is the op-ed that our congressman Mike Gallagher wrote about. What is one of Mike Gallagher's most most fabulous charges in his op-ed piece? that China actually operated a secret police station in Manhattan, that what was appearing to be a Chinese cultural exchange center, it was on the third floor of a nondescript office building in lower Manhattan in Chinatown, was actually a China secret police station. He says people were actually arrested and taken there and detained there and then smuggled out of the country. That if you were a Chinese citizen and the secret police paid a knock on your door, that they might, quote-unquote, arrest you. You say, but I'm in America! Americans have to arrest... No, no, that's not the way China is operating. And that they would take you to this building in Chinatown in lower Manhattan, and that they actually had a holding cell there. And that as they investigated whatever it was that you were involved in, um, you could be sent back to China secretly smuggled out of the United States to face charges there. 
You say, well, that's that's outrageous that that happens here in the United States. Well, by the way, we have shut down the secret police station, as we should. So, and, and what were some of the circumstances where someone from China might get a visit from the secret police? Um, well, let's say that you are one of those foreign exchange students and... Um, the secret police get news that uh, you're taking part in a pro-democracy protest. Uh, th- those things happen on our college campuses. Um, your parents back in China might get a visit from a Chinese party official. Um, your son or daughter, we don't like some of their activities in the United States. Perhaps you should reach out to them and tell them that uh, you know you don't want your father to lose his job back in China, or that'd be really bad for the family. So maybe you ought not to take part in those protests. Yeah, the Chinese police would do something like that. Um, if that's not effective, perhaps the student gets a visit. Um, we are a government official. We're in New York. We'd like to speak with you. Please uh, make arrangements to come to Manhattan so we can talk to you about uh, some of our concerns. Um, and if those concerns aren't taken care of, um, perhaps your visa will be expired or perhaps you'll have a passport problem um, or perhaps we'll make some threat involving you where you have to return to China where you will suddenly be arrested and that you'll face charges. Mike Gallagher tells a story about a Chinese business executive. She was a woman here in the U.S., and the secret police had some concerns about her. And the message that they gave to her was that your father, who needs that medical care, your dad back in China, who needs that operation, um, he's been kind of pushed down on the waiting list. That that life-saving medical care that you thought your dad was going to get, because we don't like what you're doing here in the U.S., Um, your dad's health, your dad's life is kind of at risk. And Mike Gallagher writes in his op-ed, says, this woman was told to return to China to, to sort out whatever the inappropriate activity she was involved in, and she was arrested. Well, I mean, all of this is outrageous. Mike Gallagher also points out that China has consulates all across the U.S. By the way, we have consulates in larger countries all around the world, too. That you know, We have, say, an embassy in Mexico, but we have consulates in other cities in Mexico to help American citizens while they are traveling or doing business in Mexico. China has consulates. They have an embassy in Washington, D.C. They have consulates in New York City and in Los Angeles and all around the country. Well, Mike Gallagher writes that China's consulate in Houston, Texas, was a spy den. That all of the Chinese surveillance activity that they did here in the U.S., that if China had an actual spy in the United States, they were likely run or reported back to their consulate in Houston. And Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has confirmed this. Mike Pompeo says it was the Trump administration who shut down the Chinese consulate in Houston and told them, all of you, all of you who work out of that building, get out of the country because we know that you're not here for legitimate diplomatic purposes. We know that you're spies. So at least we pushed back a little on that, although granted under the old administration. By the way, our Secretary of State Mike Pompeo also tells a fabulous story that kind of coincides with the Mike Gallagher op-ed piece. Mike Pompeo has been a hawk on China. 
In fact, he was going to give a speech. He was going to give a speech at MIT as part of an international conference, Massachusetts Institute of Technology in Boston, the premier engineering school in the United States, and one of the premier engineering and technology schools in the entire world. Mike Pompeo, former Secretary of State, now presidential hopeful, was going to give a speech there, and what he was going to talk about? China stealing U.S. technology. That companies that want to do business in China have to find a Chinese business partner. They have to share their technology. And then, lo and behold, they reverse engineer things. Um, that if a company here in the U.S. doesn't want to do that, say, eh, we're not so good on the uh, on the Chinese partner where they steal all the technology, then China buys something here and reverse engineers it anyway. And that company doesn't even get to do business in China, but still has knockoffs of their products and has their technology stolen. Mike Pompeo was going to give a speech about that. How if China wants to be a player in the world economic stage, they have to stop doing that. And Mike Pompeo's speech at MIT was abruptly canceled. He was uninvited. I mean, the guy used to be Secretary of State. You would think when he has something significant to say about another country, you know, a rival nation whose military goals don't align with ours, whose economic goals, while they're a fierce competitor and don't play fairly with us, um, you would think that that speech would be of some significance and that schools would be very excited about hosting the Secretary of State when he was going to make significant policy decisions about China. And MIT said, no, no, it's canceled. Mike Pompeo says he reached out to MIT's president. Why was I uninvited? And the response from MIT was, we have many Chinese exchange students here, and that your remarks might be concerning to them. Oh, really? The feelings of exchange students, guess in our country, take precedent over the Secretary of State wanting to speak about a key policy problem that the U.S. and China are facing? Really? The feelings of our Chinese exchange students? Of Trump, the actual speech that Mike Pompe... That was the excuse that he was given. And of course, as I mentioned earlier in this segment, that's not the real excuse. Colleges and universities want the Chinese exchange students to keep coming because they bring research dollars with them and pay full tuition, and they don't want to do anything to tick off the Chinese government to stop that gravy train from coming. One Chinese student is worth three or four students who get student aid and get the discounted rates that are American students. Mike Pompeo said he was still going to give his speech, and he said as he went to other universities asking if they would host him. Many of them said no until finally Georgia Tech, another prestigious research university, said yes. And Mike Pompeo, after a lot of trouble, was able to share his concerns about China simply pirating and stealing our technology. Um, an important op-ed, largely ignored, written by Wisconsin Congressman Mike Gallagher. By the way, I have a strange but true story about Chinese exchange students that was shared to me with my son a year ago, a student at the University of Minnesota. And all of this is under the heading of, what should we do about it? Because right now, we look incompetent, we look weak, and lots of people think that Joe Biden has family business ties with China that essentially make him bought and paid for. We'll take a quick break here, and then we'll take some of your phone calls, too. I'm Chris Conley, your guest host on Feedback on WSAU. 
Meg Ellison is off today for a couple of bereavement days. Meg's mother died a few days ago, and the funeral is this weekend. I'm Chris Conley. I'll be your guest host on Feedback today. And again on Monday, Meg will return next Tuesday. We are talking about China. And this story from my son, a student at the University of Minnesota. Um, he has a student work-study job. He works in one of the school administration buildings there. And he shared this with me from a couple of years ago. He says, as he was coming into his office, he said there were a group of Asian students that were protesting. He said these were students, foreign exchange students from Hong Kong. Remember, um, Hong Kong used to be free. <laughs> you remember that? It was a British protectorate. It was separate from mainland China. And in Hong Kong, they had all kinds of things that the Chinese communists don't like, like uh, freedom of speech, like uh, freedom of expression, um, like free elections to pick their city council, which was essentially the, the governing body of, of Hong Kong. China's taken all of that away. They promised Britain that it would stay the same for 50 years. Uh, China didn't quite get halfway through that promise before they said, nah, enough of this freedom and democracy thing. <laughs> so a group of students from Hong Kong are protesting China taking over and not following its obligations. All of those democracy things that we take for granted here. So there's a Hong Kong exchange student demonstration. It says it's outside the administration building where my son happened to have his work-study job. I said, oh, okay. Um, and everyone agrees that Hong Kongers have a legitimate complaint. And they thought that their freedoms would last much, much longer. And, of course, China ignored that. And the West, you know, we're ready to go to war to defend Taiwan. The uh, West uh, registered some strongly worded protests over what happened with Hong Kong. But my son says this, and this is the most fascinating thing. He says, a couple of hours later, when he was done with his, his work at the administration building, he's ready to go home, lo and behold, there's another protest there. And this is mainland Chinese exchange students. He says they got messages on their cell phone. He says, by the way, uh, Chinese exchange students have special iPhones, the China government-approved iPhone. By the way, Apple makes them, that they have limited access to the Internet and that the government has access to what the phone's being used for. Like the phone is one giant TikTok app. And that these Chinese students were told that they must organize a counter-protest. And they did, that they got official marching orders from their Chinese communist overlords. And again, what student would want to risk, oh, you're going to have a visa problem when you try to come back home once uh, school ends. Um, oh, your passport, you'll get hassled at the airport because we'll make sure that you have a problem. Um, oh, your family will get visited because uh, we don't like that you're not being a good little red-hatted Mao Zedong that you're here in the, uh, in the U.S. Uh, so uh, mom and dad will hear that uh, we have some concerns there and that that may spill over to other family members. So these Chinese students get a message on their on their the, the red phone, if you will, and they were told, you're organizing a counter-protest. And lo and behold, they showed up, and they showed up in great numbers because, again, what 18, 19, 20-year-old would want to have a problem back home when they're obviously one of the privileged few? They get the privilege of traveling to the U.S. They're going to be big wheels when they get back to China because they're going to have all of this uh, technology and all of this education that they got here in the United States, um, and they're going to be higher in the 
communist pecking order. But my son said it was amazing that we had this spontaneous protest from Hong Kong exchange students over human rights and basic decency and freedom and democracy, and that the Chinese counter-protest was put together just a short time later to show that, uh, hey, we're on the playing field too, and the Chinese exchange students dare not disobey. You want to talk about this? I mean, the, the topic for the rest of the program, what should we do about it? How should the U.S. redefine the relationship with China? We'll take your calls on it, 715-845-2155, 715-845-2155. You and me, Chris Conley, after the news with Tom King on WSAE. The topic is our relationship with China, how we're just absolutely blowing it so far. Um, I'll tell you, my solution involves something that Donald Trump, was 100% right about. We'll take some of your calls and I'll talk through this. Um, The allegation from Congressman Mike Gallagher, who's on a select committee on our relations with China, is that China operates a secret police network in the U.S. to keep its own citizens in line. He wrote in the New York Post last weekend, by the way, it's an excellent piece. You should look it up online. It's available. You can read it for yourself. said that China operated a secret police station where people were arrested, abducted, and where Chinese citizens were snuck out of our country to face charges back home. And China has some experience with all of this. Um, years ago in Hong Kong, there was this salacious, scandalous book. Whoever wrote it is anonymous, but China thinks they know who the author is. And it talked about the sex scandals, the secret sex lives of communist Chinese leaders. A little bit like uh, if you wrote a book about Kim Jong-un in North Korea. You know, when Kim Jong-un appears in public, he's got this group of beautiful women surrounding him. They are like his personal entourage, a a, a stable of beautiful women. And Kim Jong-un openly flaunts that one of my privileges as leaders is, look, I, I have these beautiful women, and they are indeed beautiful. They're seen in public when he when he goes out, and they are my harem, for lack of a better word. Well, this book about Chinese communist leaders imagined, I bet that our communist Chinese leaders have a harem too, only they don't flaunt it in public. But this book was written and published in Hong Kong, and back then, Hong Kong had freedom of speech, freedom of the press. So all of these things were salacious, but not illegal. And what did China do? Well, Red China sent their operatives in. They, again, thought they knew who the author was, and that person was disappeared. The bookstores that sold this, and by the way, in Hong Kong, where you can read anything you want, um, including newspapers that give free and accurate accounts of the world, including what happened in Tiananmen Square which China won't even allow you to say. Um, In fact, I I think me bringing it up even in a whisper, I think now I'm flagged by, well, if they had another spy balloon, uh, you know, there'd be a red flag marker in in the recording of this program. Um, So in Hong Kong, this book sold phenomenally. Things get leaked from Hong Kong into mainland China. So there were people in red China who also read this scandalous book. And the bookstores that sold it 
their owners were disappeared, as was the alleged author. And uh, a few weeks later, they turned up in Beijing where they were put on trial. Some of them are still in jail. So China's got lots of experience about smuggling people into their country. Now, granted, doing that from the U.S., where you've got an ocean, uh, how you do that, the logistics, I'm sure, are much more complicated than in Hong Kong, where you just have to get them across the border, say, uh, in a cargo container or in a truck or in the trunk of a car where uh, people at the border know uh, we don't inspect this vehicle because it's got the prisoners in it. Um, We should indeed push back. We should use our economic might to push back on all of this. It was one of Donald Trump's policies that he was absolutely right about. And I'll talk more about that and and some of the specifics of what Donald Trump got right about China. But I want to take your calls, too, at 715-845-2155. Caller, you are first up on Feedback. You're on with Chris Conley. Go ahead. Hi, Chris. This is John in Boston. Hi, John. Um, I would say that the Chinese people might not be at war with the United States, but the People's Liberation Army of China is. Now, look, I'll tell you, I've visited Hong Kong before everything fell apart there. And again, they think of themselves as separate from mainland China. The people are very friendly and are particularly nice to Americans. We don't have any beef with the people of China. It, it, it's it's that red government that we have problems with. Right. I I would say they're fighting a several front war. And uh, the one thing, the most dangerous immediate thing is the PLA has aligned with the Mexican drug cartels to to funnel in the fentanyl. And I think their government goals are probably to sow death and destruction and raise cash. No, no, I, I agree. And you know what? Fentanyl is a great point. Fentanyl is from China. It's coming into our country through Mexico. Counterfeit pills, drugs are laced with it. I read something just last week about this. China needs a growing population now. That if they are going to meet their economic goals, they have to have, you know, they used to have the one-child policy because China wasn't sure if it could feed anyone. Well, that policy is out the window because what they need is more workers. And what China's government officials are finding out is that they're not meeting their population goals. That the workforce, while very, very large in China, they got a billion people there, is not likely to grow as quickly as it is. They're actually offering you incentives now if you're a family to have kids in China. But they will not be able to match the U.S. for economic growth if their workforce, as large as it is, is shrinking and that ours is growing. So you know what? China's got a a two-pronged approach here, and I think this is my working theory on why would they send fentanyl to the United States? Why would they want to poison and kill Americans? If China's workforce is going to get smaller, they need the U.S. workforce to be smaller, too. We can't have this growing, dynamic economy. Now, granted, we've got fewer people than China. Our population is 365 million. So that's a third, and some people project it'll be a quarter of what China's is. But if their workforce is being held down because they don't make enough kids, they've got to do something to hold our workforce down. And maybe, just maybe, fentanyl is it. That's kind of a working theory. Uh, 715-845-2155 if you'd like to join us. Hi, caller, you're up on feedback. Go ahead. Hi, Chris. This is, this is Orlando from Wausau. Hi, I'm glad you're on. Hi. Go ahead. Interesting that you brought up Taiwan because readers of the Epoch Times have known about this stuff for years. 
Well, look, here's, here's what I know about Taiwan, and then I'll give you more time and, and, and you can finish your point. Um, we do at the Pentagon, we do these tabletop computer simulations. How would we defend Taiwan? And everything that I've heard is that we lose all the time, that we have not come up with a scenario where the U.S. successfully engages the red Chinese military and defends Taiwan. Well, regarding this issue, far from protecting us from foreign interests, our federal government is selling us out to foreign interests. The one thing that Trumpers and America First crowd clearly understands is that the business model for globalist politicians, in a sense, is to sell their own country's taxpayer money to foreign interests, for their own family's personal interests. And now it's not just the Bidens, the Clintons, the Kerrys, or high-level bureaucrats. You know, they're not alone. There's plenty of Republicans involved. Nope, that, we need that, that's a smaller true. federal government. We've got lots of Republicans, rhinos mostly, who are indeed globalists. And you know, look, Taiwan is where the iPhones come from. So uh, China takes over Taiwan. Maybe there are no iPhones. That wouldn't be the worst thing. Taiwan is where almost all of the computer chips that go into cars come from. So if China ever says, gee, maybe we should send the U.S. economy into recession, what if our entire auto industry has to shut down? It almost did during COVID because we couldn't get parts to make new cars. Uh, But suddenly no chips are available and the chips are needed for GM cars, for Ford cars, for Chrysler cars, for every type of vehicle. The chips come from Taiwan. Well, you know what? That's a globalist weakness in our supply chain. It can't be that way. And I don't know what percentage is the auto industry of our economy, 10%, 5%. If 10 or 5% of our economy is suddenly shut down and missing and all those people are out of work because they can't make cars, that sends us into recession. And China, I'm sure, knows that. Well, one of the things I find really curious is these sons and daughters of politicians that are involved in all this scamming. It's never a developed country like France or England or Italy. It's always a corrupt country where taxpayer money can be pawned off. No, no, I I agree with you completely. And as I've said before on the program, and thank you for your call. Those are excellent comments. As I've said on the, the call before, we should push back on this Hunter Biden narrative of well, I was vice president. My son, Hunter, I, I don't talk to him about his business. Deal. I got no idea what he does. He just tagged along with me on Air Force Two while I was making a trip to uh, to China. And uh, I don't really know what he did here or, or what his... We didn't talk about it at all. That's Joe Biden's story. That's not even a good lie. There's nothing convincing about that story. Do you think that our State Department would let the son of the sitting vice president of the United States just aimlessly wander the streets of Beijing or that Hunter Biden while in China would meet with people and we wouldn't know who they are. Those people need to be vetted. And I'm sure our state department did. You think that the, that Hunter Biden, while his dad is off doing some diplomatic meeting as, as vice president as Barack Obama's main man in China, that uh, Hunter Biden's just off uh, meeting with the real estate moguls and comes out as a partner in a $1.5 billion real estate trust that China runs that uh, is going to invest in properties in the U.S. and other parts of the world. Um, Do you think we just let Hunter Biden walk around without, say, um, security? You don't think that the Secret Service or whoever handles Joe Biden's security might say, "We, we can't 
let your son just wander the streets here. He, he's going to have agents. He's going to have plainclothes security around him. So to say that Hunter Biden just went to China and Joe Biden had no idea what he's doing there, that's a lie that insults you. When they tell you that, they say, oh, you're not even going to think about this. You're going to just take us at face value. They're telling you that they think you're stupid because that's not possibly what Hunter Biden was doing in Beijing and that Joe Biden wouldn't know, that Joe Biden wouldn't look around and say, oh, what are these extra Secret Service agents doing on the plane? Uh, well, they're, they're for your son. Um, well, where where is he going? Where are they going? The Secret Service agents know exactly where Hunter Biden is going, and the State Department knows exactly who he is meeting with, and that Joe Biden, what, has no curiosity about this? I mean, look, I'm going on vacation to New Orleans in two weeks. If one of my kids said, hey, Dad, I want to come along with you, um, but I don't want to do the same things that you're doing. Look, I'm going to my favorite jazz clubs, I'm eating at my favorite restaurants, and I'm spending two days at the horse races in New Orleans. So, I mean, I would ask my kid who says, hey, Dad, I want to come along with you to New Orleans. Uh, uh, one of the logical questions would be something like, um, are you suddenly uh, interested in jazz? Um, do you, you suddenly like gumbo? Have you, you had gumbo before? You know, if you want to, you're, you're welcome to come with me to dinner. I, I think you'd be great company. That'd be fine. Uh, you know, I'm spending two days at the races. Are, are you interested in, in doing that on your vacation? You would ask the most basic questions. They say, well, no, Dad, I'm there because, what, I want to uh, take pictures of the historic mansions in the French Quarter. Well, okay, but at least I would ask. Joe Biden's taking his drug-addicted, ne'er-do-well son halfway around the world, and we are to believe that he has no questions whatsoever about what his kid is doing on the trip? Uh, like I said, that, that's not even a good or a convincing lie. Why don't we take a time for a quick break here? Because I want to tell you the things that I think Donald Trump got right about this, and that we ought to try again. Maybe not under this administration, but maybe when uh, someone with their head screwed on straight is in the White House. It's coming up on Feedback on WSAU. It is Feedback with Chris Conley on WSAU. As we talk about China and what to do about our relationship with China, I thought our calls today were excellent. So thank you if you participated in the program. Here's what Donald Trump got right. Donald Trump realized that we, the United States of America, are still the largest economy in the world, that we have more buying power than anyone anywhere. Put together all the countries in Europe and former European Union, U.S. economy is still bigger. China's economy, while growing, will probably someday pass ours. That there are estimates that if China continues to grow its population and grow its manufacturing base, that maybe four, five, six years from now, maybe a decade from now, that China will have a bigger economy. But for now, it's us. And if we use our economic clout, again, we're China's customer for all of the stuff that they make. And if we say, well, they're going to be tariffs. Uh, well, they're going to be import fees. Um, well, some things just won't be allowed into the country. Well, there are people who will say, no, nah, tariffs don't work because uh, tariffs make consumers pay more for things. Well, you know what? The last time I went shopping or the last time I filled up my car for gas, I'm already paying more for things. I mean, we have inflation that was at 8 or 9% that we're hoping now is cooling off to 6% and that we're going to have to raise interest rates even more to get it down to the target of 2%. So we're already paying more. And you know what? 
That paying more leads to nothing. It's inflation. It just goes into outer space. Now, if I had to pay more, say, the next time I buy a laptop computer made in China, or, or the next time I buy a flat-screen TV made in China, um, at least that paying more has a purpose, that it reigns in all of the Chinese excesses that we have been talking about here on the program. And China knows this, that let's say we put on tariffs on Chinese TVs. So the big flat screen, and I love my 72-incher that's in my home office, uh, but suddenly they're going to cost four or $500 more. That what I paid... I think I paid eight or nine hundred bucks. Suddenly it's going to be uh, closer to fourteen or fifteen hundred bucks. I may have to hold off on my purchase of the flat screen TV or who knows, maybe at the fourteen or fifteen hundred dollar level. Maybe someone can actually make them here in the U.S. and I could buy something that says made in the USA instead of uh, uh, made from from God knows where. Um, Donald Trump realized that if China suddenly can't sell the flat screens here in the U.S., there is no other market. Not Australia, not Japan, not the European Union, not South America, not anywhere that can make up for the difference in what China wants to produce and sell versus what they can actually sell. Again, we are China's customers, and we simply don't think of ourselves that way, and we should. And as China continues to abuse the U.S. spy balloons, uh, secret police, uh, secret iPhones that run roughshod over their citizens that are here. As China continues those abuses, the price should be, well, we will simply shut down parts of your economy. That's what we'll do. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, the washing machines, yeah, there's a tariff now on washing machines. They're all made in China. Uh, refrigerators, well, uh, you know, maybe you'll keep your used refrigerator going a little bit longer because uh, suddenly they're just not competitively priced when they come in from China. Donald Trump was 100% right about that. And, by the way, I, I think that's one of the things that China fears. If they can't sell stuff into the U.S., there's no number two buyer that can make up the difference. They can sell some of their stuff, but not all of their stuff. And China's economy is based on large growth over the years ahead. That China does need to feed all of their people. That requires a growing economy. And if we do things that make their economic growth more difficult or more impossible, um, they will begin rethinking some of those policies. Of course, all that we need to change is, um, let's see, a president whose family doesn't have extensive business dealings with China. Ah, oh, rats, that's what we have now in the White House. Ah, shucks. I, I guess, you know, one of the good things about Donald Trump's presidency is that Donald Trump was independently wealthy. He didn't have to send his kids on trade missions to China and to Ukraine to become part of an energy company there and sit on their board of directors for $50,000 a year for doing nothing. The Trump family already had its money. So so sending Melania or Eric Trump or, or whatever, sending family members overseas, like uh, like with the pauper with, their, uh, with the tin cup out, please uh, uh, give us some money. I mean, we've pointed out on the program before, Joe Biden's vice presidential library was funded by donations from China. You'll never have that from Donald Trump. I mean, isn't that kind of like a, a, a head-scratcher? Why are Chinese communist corporate entities funding the Biden Pen Library, where, of course, the classified documents were kept, but that's a separate program. Um, isn't it unseemly? 
to fund your private enterprise, the memorial to you and your <clears throat> government service with Chinese dollars? That's how Joe Biden's doing it. When we have a new president, we should re-examine all what's going on with China. Hey, I'm so sorry that I have to fill in for Meg. Meg is attending her mother's funeral this weekend. I'll be back on Monday. You have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us on Feedback. I'm Chris Conley on WSAU.